to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll be reading through verse 13. If you want to use the Pew Bible that's in front of you and follow along in the translation, I will be reading from. It is page 1055. 1055. Or if you want to turn into your devices, say Siri. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I don't think she does that. Today we are continuing our series on legacy, and I, I think it's fitting the last few weeks, especially since we've gone to 2 Timothy. This is the final letter that Paul writes, that he writes to Timothy, that is leaving the legacy of the faith, that he's encouraging the, the one that he has mentored to continue the faith that he has uh, invested into him that he's leaving uh, encouragement to a pastor elder there at the church of Ephesus, but to the entire congregation. That these characteristics are things that, that should be our legacy as Christians that we uh, exhibit now that, that generations to come will also exhibit. And today we're going to look at something that we don't like to talk about, and the world thinks that we're crazy over, but the command or the encouragement that we are to suffer for the sake of the gospel. So let's look at chapter 2 of Timothy and read to verse 13. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses Commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one is serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. If anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get the share of the crops Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead and descended from David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. This is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory." This saying is trustworthy, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this morning I pray that these words may change our hearts, give us courage, help us to be bold, help us to endure, that through your spirit, through a love of you, God, that you will find us, you will enable us, you will encourage us, and through your word right now, you will change us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. The task of being a Christian involves suffering. Timothy is being challenged by Paul 
that there is the inevitability of his gospel ministry that suffering will come. That gospel ministry, true gospel ministry of of standing for the truth of Christ, for standing for the truth of the word, that suffering will come. He says in verse 3, share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Suffering is not the add-on package of the Christian life. It is not that we go and we say, okay, God, this is the Christian life. I think I will take uh, the leather seating package, but um, I'm going to hold back on the suffering one because I'm not that kind of Christian. The Bible is pretty explicit. It says the way of salvation is the cross, that there will be suffering. Now, when Paul is talking to Timothy here in these verses, he is not talking about a general suffering. He's talking about persecution, one which comes for the faithful proclaiming of the gospel, the faithful living in obedience to God's word that comes from opposition from the world and from others. He is not talking about the effects of sin in this world. He's not talking about what we know, that sin has ravaged the world, that all the world is groaning because we know that now death has come and entered the body, that we know that sickness will come, that, that, uh, that, that viruses will evade, that cancer will be, that will happen, that people will lose jobs, relationships will be broken. All of this through the effects of sin, sin against one another, sin against the bodies. This is not the suffering that Paul is speaking specifically to here, though we know the scriptures talk about that throughout, right? Here Paul specifically is talking about persecution of faithful living and proclamation of the gospel. He's again not talking about the persecution that one might come from sharing their political views. This is not talking about persecution of saying, well, yes, I'm I'm the kind of mask mandate person or I'm the the non-mask mandate person. And so I'm being persecuted by other people or I'm the the vaccine mandated person or I'm the non-vaccine mandated person uh, and I'm getting persecution from outside. This is not what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about preference, geopolitical understandings. He is talking about faithfulness to the gospel of Jesus Christ and obedience to the scriptures that comes about with opposition from the world, from Satan and other people to squelch the gospel, to squelch Christians, to stop Christianity, that this persecution comes with Satan and his others thinking they're going to stop the gospel message. This is the type of persecution that Paul says we must be faithful in. This is the type of persecution that will come from you, student, whether you're in high school or college in a secular area where a professor says something that is contrary to biblical worldview or beliefs, that you would share your faith or share your biblical understanding, that you might be ridiculed or looked down upon or even graded less because of that. Or maybe this is the, the minor type of persecution that you would become, that you become the black sheep of the family and not invited to all the family functions because they know you're the one that faithfully follows Jesus or that you're the one that proclaims Jesus and everybody else does not. Maybe that type of persecution. Or maybe it, it's the one that you might be losing your job because you won't support the immoral dealings of your company. 
Because in good conscience, you can't do something the Bible does not uh, allow or participate in, that it's a direct violation of Scripture. Maybe it's in the rare instance that you might become uh, pitted in a viral sense, that you are mocked or made fun of online. And that's a very rare instance, but that could happen. Or maybe you, at some day, like our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who will be jailed or killed for their belief in Christ. Brothers and sisters, that is the persecution that Paul is facing. That is the persecution that he was facing to religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, because he was proclaiming a risen Messiah. He was facing it for the Romans because the, the, the Christians were saying that there's only one God, not, not Caesar, not all these other faiths, but that Christianity was the one true way to salvation. Timothy obviously struggled with timidity. We read that throughout as he describes and Paul carefully cajoles Timothy to be brave. Don't, don't let anyone look down upon you because you are young. Instead, boldly proclaim the gospel. Paul is calling him to endure and calling us to endure and calling us to be ready. Because in verse 2, he reminds us that our proclaiming of the gospel, our faithfulness of the gospel, is about declaring the gospel so that someone might be saved, that they might be raised up to declare the gospel to someone else. That this is about continuing the line of the faithfulness of the gospel that comes to you on its way to somewhere else. That knowing how we endure, how we are faithful, how we are bold is not just about us, but about God saving someone else, raising them up so that they might be able to share and raise someone else to the gospel. That this is grand implications of our boldness and endurance. So Paul is reminding Timothy and us that we need to be willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel, even persecution. And in this passage, we see three reasons we must suffer for Christ. Number one, we willingly suffer because of our devotion to God. We willingly suffer because of our devotion to God. Verse 3, Paul writes, Share the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier is entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please his commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. A hardworking farmer ought to be the first to share in the crops. And consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Paul is not through in talking about suffering. Last week, we, we talked a little about, about the suffering that comes from following Jesus. And he continues on, again, to con concern, prop up, and, and help Timothy be faithful that, that this persecution is to come. Paul is the walking embodiment and example, right? He has been put in chains currently in Rome for proclaiming Jesus. And Paul is saying, do not be fearful, Timothy, that even what would happen to you, uh, happen to me is happening to you. You need to remain faithful. 
Paul is reminding him and us that the forces of evil are against the word of truth. And that when he says in verse 2, suffer as a good soldier, he is reminding us that it is not those who are timid or not those who are not fully committed, but instead those who are bold and committed to the work of Christ that will endure with the gospel of Christ. Paul uses three analogies, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. The soldier, he says, leaves behind the business of the world to follow his commanding officer. Now, we know that in the time of war and in the time of faithfulness, a soldier and uh, his commanding officer, and those of you who have, who have been in the services know that if the commanding officer says, hey, you are to go to here in this sort of, of battle or this point of, of work that you are to go, that soldier would not say, oh, hey, hold on. Uh, I need to um, update my relationship status on Facebook real quick. Uh, oh, no, wait, hold on. Can I check my stock portfolio before I go? No, the soldier is not concerned about worldly affairs. If the, the commanding officer is telling him to do something, he does it. Secondly, he uses an athlete. But every sport, an athlete must compete according to the rules. Perhaps Paul were alive today, he might usually say, athletes can't be using performance-enhancing drugs or pitchers can't be scuffing up the baseball. Paul is saying that there are no shortcuts in sports. That true winners, those who receive the victor's crown, are those who, who, uh, who follow the rules. You know, many people want to be athletes, but very few, they want to be top athletes. They want to be the, the Jordans and, and everyone else. They want to do that, but very rarely do they want to put in the work that the top athletes do. Many are tempted to, to bend the rules or cheat a little bit so that they might get the attention of others. But Paul is saying that real athletes who gain the crown are working not because of, of they're playing it on their own, but they're working within the rules. Now, what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying that those who are Christians understand that, number one, as a soldier, that we have a commander. We have King Jesus that we answer to. And whatever he says, we do. But also that he has given us a rule, the, the rule of godliness that we now live under. That, that is how we compete within the rules. That is how we, we live. Now again, Paul is not saying or arguing that these are the rules in which that we are to be saved by. And, now that is a contrary gospel. What he is saying is, is that we have rules that are governed by the Bible that we know that what the Bible says we faithfully live by. And finally, Timothy is like a hardworking farmer who ought to first share the crops. This fits scriptures, praise for timely sacrificial labor where the farmer works hard to till the ground, plant the seed, keep everything of the crop going that they ultimately will receive the rewards for their work. Proverbs mocks sluggards and the Bible also praises diligent workers. But what Paul is saying here is that the farmer works diligently, knowingly now, 
hoping for that future taste of the crop ahead. And when we as Christians, what Paul is saying here is that we have a different standard in which we live. It is not one to the immediate reward or the immediate circumstance, but that we follow Christ, our King, our God. We follow his word and we do so even in the sake of persecution and suffering because we do so. And we do so knowing that there will be a later reward. When we follow Christ, we know that there may be a short-term pain, yet the reward may be long ways off. You might be sharing the gospel for a long time until you see someone come to Christ. You may be working diligently to obey, even though in the face of persecution. But we know that the reward is great. First Peter 1 says, We rejoice in this even now and for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, though, uh, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation. We are working in this way that God will receive this glory. And that a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer, what do they do well? They're solely focused. They have a job at hand. They're not distracted from the world. They do so whatever it takes to accomplish what they have been called to do. And in the same way, brother and sister, We as Christians are solely focused on the call of Christ and obedience to him because ultimately we are devoted to God. It is in him that we are saved, but it is in him that we find the reward. It is in him that we know that there is delight. It is in him that we know that we're in it for the long haul. It is in him that we are willing to suffer, not because we think long-term in some other way other than this. God is my refuge and strength. God is my reward. God is my joy. God is everything to me. uh, Tim Keller wrote, is thinking through suffering. He wrote this, He said, Jonathan Edwards once said, God is glorified not only by his glory being seen, but by it being rejoiced in. It's not enough to say, well, I guess he's God, so I have to knuckle under. You have to see his beauty. Glorifying God does not mean obeying him only because you have to. It means to obey him because you want to, because you are attracted to him. Because you delight in him. Brothers and sisters, this is the thing that helps us to endure in all persecution. It is that we delight in God. That we are fully in love with him. That he is the treasure worth selling everything else for. 
that he is the delight of our heart, and that if we would lose it all, we would say, blessed be the name of the Lord. He is the reason and ultimately the fire in which we're willing to be persecuted for. Brother and sister, may I ask you, do you delight in God? Do you see him as a treasure that he is worth keeping more than anything else? Do you see the salvation that you have received more valuable than anything this world can offer? See, it is here that a Christian must answer that God is worth it all. Brother and sister, you must seek to understand that he is the treasure. He is, he is what you've been looking for. And that as we sang, that one day when I stand before him, that I find myself resting in him alone. And that is when I realize that it's not me, it's all him. It is this that we understand that we can suffer persecution because we're fully devoted to God. Secondly, we willingly suffer to advance the gospel. In verse 8 to 10, it says, Remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead and ascended from David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer to the point of being bound like a, a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. This is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul says Timothy must also remember that as you suffer, it is for a purpose. That if you are sharing the gospel, if you are being faithful to the gospel, you are advancing the gospel, that the reason persecution is coming is because you are faithful in proclamation of the gospel. I have many Christians say, you know, I never get persecuted for, for anything. I, I, you know, I, I never get pushback to where I might answer, well, when was the last time you talked about Jesus? The enemy's not going to be worried about a front that they don't have to worry about. Satan's not too much concerned if you aren't sharing the gospel or you're not being faithful to the scripture or you're not fully devoted to God. Well, why would he use any resources and, and, and persecution on you? Because nothing's happening in your life. You're not being faithful, not allowing the spirit to work through you. So why must there be persecution here? But we are willing to suffer when it comes because we know that as suffering is coming, it's because the gospel is being advanced. Paul first reminds us quickly that it is this gospel is the message that Paul is sharing and that is the, sharing, the message that we should all be sharing. Paul is saying that there is persecution coming to him from some people because Jesus is a descendant of David's. There's persecution from other groups saying that he is resurrected. Uh, this is no different of some of the teachings that come today, some that would deny the, the incarnation of Christ that says that Jesus is fully God and fully man who has come 
There are many people who would argue and say that Jesus was just a teacher. He was just a good man. He is someone who has aspired and came to much celebrity. But Paul is saying, no, we know who this Jesus is. He is fully God. Not only is he fully God, but he is not still dead. He is resurrected. We see throughout the scriptures that the apostles were persecuted heavily, mostly because they were saying Jesus was not dead. He is alive. What we sang just a few minutes ago, we were, they were heavily persecuted for up to death because they were proclaiming Jesus was alive. Paul himself was having to suffer the painful indignity of being in chains like a common cr criminal. He was suffering, and we know, and he knew, that death was the next step of his life. But what does he say? That it's worth it. That it's worth it. This is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they may also obtain salvation. Paul said, I know that I am suffering these things because I know that the gospel cannot be bound. Uh, in other parts that we read last week, that even though that he was bound in scripture, many people were hearing the gospel and being saved. He was saying, well, wh why would I turn down this persecution? Why would I not suffer? Because right now, God is being glorified. His word is being advanced. The gospel is being proclaimed. And people are coming to saving faith. And this is the true gospel, he said. Brothers and sisters, are you proclaiming a gospel that you know saves? Are you proclaiming the true gospel that Paul shares with us? Are you proclaiming the gospel that Jesus came incarnate, that God himself came, that he lived wrapped in the flesh as fully God and fully man, that he lived a perfect life and yet gave himself over to death not because he felt that he was caught or not that he felt that he was, he was unable to free himself, but instead on purpose gave his life over so that his life would be given, a perfect life was given for a sinful life so that his life, his death was taken so that we would not receive the ultimate death. That he died so that there might be perfect justice against our sin. And yet God raised him from the dead so that he would show the world that he had victory over life and death and that those who believe in him will not perish but will be in glory with him forever. The Bible says if we repent and believe this gospel that we will be born again and will be saved. Unbeliever, Maybe you've been brought here today as guest of a friend, or maybe you're watching online. I hope that you would take hold of this hope today, the hope that is found in this gospel, that you see that Jesus died for you, that you might be pardoned of your sin, and that you might be astonished that God has revealed the gospel to you today. That this gospel that Paul faced death 
that he was bound in chains, and that every other apostle other than John died to get its message to the world. That leaders and regular Christians over and across 2,000 years died for the sake that the gospel would continue to be proclaimed day after day, month after month, year after year, millennia after millennia, so that we would know and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you might be saved. Brothers and sisters, this is amazing that we have received this good news. The gospel will not be bound. Paul had a healthy self-understanding of the sovereignty of God. You know, he knew that he was in chains now, but he knew that the, the gospel message could not stop. He understood throughout his ministry and his life that he thought he wanted to go to this country and God shut it down and he went to this country and the gospel boomed and exploded. And along the way, Paul was shipwrecked. He was put in chains several times and he was beating close to his life and he knew and would say, I understand that I will endure all of this. If God's people would be saved. He wrote in Philippians 1, 12 through 13, he said, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Suffering will not stop the gospel message. Instead, the gospel message will continue on. We suffer from persecution and dis disappointment and pushback, but we will not be discouraged because we know the gospel will advance if we're faithful. I'm a little too concerned that American Christianity is caught up with something afraid that have been taken from them that we never really had to begin with. I'm afraid that we are more concerned about Christian, Christians' popularity in the world and that our standing in the world than in our standing before God. We are so quick to fight for celebrity and popularity and, and notoriety. But brothers and sisters, that has never been the story of Christianity ever. Look at Paul. And if we want to understand the faithfulness of Christ, we need to understand it's foolishness for us to chase these things. Why? Because the gospel is foolishness to the world. It is like a, when the lights are off, and in darkness and your eyes get used to the light and then, you know, somebody in the morning flicks on that light when you're, you know, you're not ready and you're like, ah, why'd you do that? When the world is living in darkness and they see the gospel, it's like they recoil because this is not like the world or the understanding that they have. And the gospel is offensive. And we need to understand that there's going to be persecution that comes and more so, 
as the days come on. But Paul says that we understand that we've counted the cost to follow Jesus. Jesus said, count the cost and follow me in understanding that the road of the cross is marked with suffering. And that we know that the advancement of the gospel is happening, that many people will come to faith when they hear the gospel that we're faithful to share. Brothers and sisters, where is the gospel advancing around the globe the fastest? In the countries, in the areas that is the most closed off, the most dangerous, and the heaviest persecution. That our brothers and sisters in Christ are not making excuses that when they live in a government, in a, in a country where the government is, is against Christianity, that jails Christians, that kills Christians, they're not making excuses. They're not backing down. They're meeting as Christians in churches, faithfully proclaiming the gospel. They're continuing to share the gospel no matter the cost. Which begs us to ask this question. Brother, sister, what are you unwilling to give up for the sake of the gospel? What are you unwilling to suffer for the sake of the gospel? What have you made so important that you will not stand up for the faith? Will you share the gospel when it's hard or difficult or uneasy? Will you speak the truth in love and share the truth of Scripture no matter the cost? Because, brothers and sisters, when we proclaim and are faithful, we know the gospel is advancing. But I'm afraid too many of us have counted the cost and gone into retreat. Do you love God and see him as your reward? And if you do, then you're willing for the sake of the advancement of his gospel to proclaim him no matter what it costs. Which leads us to third and finally, that we are willing to suffer because we will receive eternal glory. Paul breaks out in what many believe is an ancient hymn. He says this saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Paul breaks out into this song, and the words can't be swept into the hope that Paul says that we should all have that would help us remain faithful. If we endure we will reign with him. Brother and sister, if you're, if you're consider of giving up, if you're considering of retreat, do not endure. Why? Because if you endure, you will reign with Christ. Even when we are faithless, praise God he is faithful. Being a Christian has never been easy, and today 
You can see that it's something of an endurance test, but nothing in our society encourages a person to live for Christ and to go to seek a holy life. On the contrary, the opposite is true. Ours is a soft, flabby society which superficial love seeks for entertainment, lacks seriousness, and is not about eternal values, but cushioned by self-love and self-gratification. But as Christians, we should be against that prevailing attitude and remain faithful because of our spiritual convictions that we can endure with Christ and that we will reign with him. For if he died and we believe in him, we will live with him. And that is why we are faithful to endure. Romans 8.18, Paul wrote, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Brothers and sisters, do you believe that? Are you encouraged by that? Are you being faithful knowing that in the life to come in heaven that you will see something that pales in comparison to all things of this earth. Brothers and sisters, this message of 2 Timothy is daunting. Paul is chained because of the gospel. Allies have abandoned him. Paul tells Timothy, like all of God's other servants, prepare to suffer. Still, even if they die, here's the hope. They will reign with Jesus. So let us therefore be strengthened by the grace of Christ, he says in verse 1. That we will be faithful. That our union with Christ will enable us to endure everything. And that we will walk with Jesus. And that he would walk with us when we stumble. Brothers and sisters, we need to be ready to endure suffering and persecution for the sake of the gospel. And we need to be ready to show that example today for the generations that will come. I encourage you to endure, be faithful, be strong, stay the course. Because we will endure until that day. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for these words. Words of encouragement. Words of warning. Words of strength. Words of grace. Brothers and sisters. Heavenly Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters in Christ will be faithful. That persecution may come. Hardships may arise because they're willing to live the Bible, to speak the Bible, proclaim the gospel, and to be faithful. Pray for our children to be encouraged and nourished up to stand against the push of the world. I pray for our faithfulness and our boldness and our willingness to endure because we love you, God. You are all in all. You are everything. And you are worth it all.
We love you, Lord. Strengthen us. Enable us. Help us to endure. Help us to remain faithful. In Jesus' precious name, amen.